1: You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson, and me, Ian Morris. And on a very special occasion today, ladies and gentlemen—not that it makes much difference to people listening to this after the fact—but we're recording in an evening. We're recording at nine PM on a Sunday, as opposed to two PM. How exciting! Well, in they might care if it's if we sound
0: confused and tired. Yeah, because I do that's sound quite tired. likely. Yeah, yeah.
1: We spent the last half an hour actually before the show talking about quite a large range of things pantomime and that time i was in the apprentice and that time he ended gadget geeks on sky and a whole bunch of other stuff which um i think our live listeners have enjoyed it certainly i've enjoyed talking about it
0: yes well it's got on for 30 minutes so if they didn't enjoy it we've just wasted a very sizable portion of their evening
1: yes unless they're listening live so or getting the unedited version i suppose um before we jump into the main news by the way um Ian wanted to mention that uh, Virgin Media has now rolled out gigabit internet. Well, I only wanted to mention it because you told me, because Virgin certainly hasn't, and I
0: am a customer, and you would have thought they might have mentioned it.
1: Well, everyone in the UK apparently now who is able to get Virgin is also now able to get Virgin's one gigabit connection, which I did have for a month, and it was very fast down, um, less Mm. impressive Up, But it's now available to everyone, which is a big deal. Like, nationwide gigabit broadband for those eligible for any fiber is pretty good.
0: 52 megabits per second up, if you're interested, rather than symmetrical. Uh, But it's £62 a month, uh, which is also the price of the M500, which is £62 a month. And 350 is £56 a month. So if you're paying for M350, you've got to kind of think, well, really... I should either drop it down to 200, which is 50 pounds a month, or pay the extra 12 quid and get the gig. I mean, I'm I'm actually for 12 quid a month. But having said that, I'm not paying 50 pound a month for mine. I'm paying like 35 or something, but that does expire next year. But I also noticed they're now doing O2 sims with it. You can get a 10 gig O2 sim for 41 pounds 99 a month and M350. Interesting.
1: Not bad. Yeah, I mean, I have to it's say not, the, actually. the service was very good and, and I, I paid, I think I was paying £62 for that and it is good. It's just that when GigaClear came knocking with a gigabit down, a gigabit bit up and for less money, it's very difficult to turn that down and the upload, my goodness, having gigabit upload streams is kind of game changing in, in many ways. Uh, literally, if you're streaming from an Xbox from home um as i do but yes uh, gigabit out there so it'd be very interesting a lot of new people will get access to gigabit download speeds um as of now if you're a virgin customer so if, if any of you are doing that do let us know as ian says also doesn't seem like many people have been told so uh, <laughs> maybe you've heard that from us <laughs> yeah um, maybe so that's out however we are for the main topic going to stay on the topic of Speeds in a in a way because the BBC wrote that the UK is going to phase out 2G and 3G mobile services by 2033, after a switch-off date was agreed with operators. That's Vodafone EE, Virgin Media, O2, and Three, mm-hmm. uh, and of course the government. Now we knew earlier this year that EE, uh more specifically its owner BT plans to phase out 3g by the year after next we're talking like 18 months away uh, and 2g is going to go later in the decade many other companies have already begun to phase out technology that support um those services and nadine dorries um uh, famous author of course and uh Parliamentarian said the move would help the UK make a smoother transition to faster networks. Now, text messages host Nate Langson said. Uh, well, said. I, he, oh, this didn't work. Now this joke's completely got in. Can you read this paragraph? Because it doesn't work. Like well, t- <laughs>
0: okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Text message host Nate Langson, who never files his expenses until one hour before Bloomberg's financial boss calls up asking why he thinks he's above the rules, said, "Give anyone twelve years to do something, and they'll take you eleven years, eleven months to do it." Yeah, and I was jesting.
1: <laughs> um,
0: it's but that's a journalist thing.
1: Yeah, I. I I, I think it's an everyone thing,
0: isn't no, it? No, I don't think... No, it isn't. You've got... I've got to... Under, you, I, it's funny because when you talk to journalists, I, I was speaking to someone l- last week who um, who's a former CNET a journalist and um, he he completely got it. Like, he, we were just like, yeah, I mean, everyone does... All journalists write things last minute. That's just the way it works. So I just believe it's a... I think the people who have the brains that work for journalism or writing are also the people who aren't organised mentally.
1: I just really respond to deadline pressure. Yeah, me like, too. I've had magazine features that I haven't written a day before they're due to be you know, edited. Also, for the f-
0: I don't know if you found this, but I realized, I mean, it would have been when I was at CNET many years ago, I realized mm. that reviews are much better if you write them in one go. So you do your testing, you know what you're going to say about the product, and you sit down and you just write the review then. You don't come back to it. You don't write it in blocks as you're testing. You just yeah. sit down and blast it out. It, when you do that, obviously you have to have done all the other stuff first. So you're always going to be quite late writing. Anyway, that's a side. All, that's well, that's true. To do with 2G and not or 3G.
1: Well, not just not just that, but I mean, I wrote my wedding speech in one sitting. I never changed it. I
0: rewrote it. mine the morning of my wedding. Yeah. I mean, I'm not married anymore, so maybe that was why. <laughs> but yeah, and it was much better. It was a really good speech, my wedding speech. I mean, well, you were there,
1: weren't you? Yeah. I d- well, I mean, Nick Nick says he takes ages to put his expenses in. And Ian's uh, Ian B, this is, um, who, by the way, is in Australia, I believe. So you must be up at the crack of dawn to be listening to this live. Yeah. Uh, he says, everyone, all my work is done last minute. That's true. But you're right. This was a tangential little joke. It was. And the reason I was jesting about it is is partly because, although I think that is true, there is a hell of a lot riding on this that makes the 12 years actually make quite a lot of sense, uh, specifically for 2G, because things like smart meters, which have been slowly, very slowly, actually, rolling out, they rely on 2G because they're good at getting signal in super remote weak areas or behind walls and in houses. Uh, they require minimal power, low bandwidth, very low maintenance and things. Um, and and the same goes for in-car emergency services, like eCall, yeah. which i didn't even know about until i was researching and writing this story interesting side note that came up in the research actually by the way ian uh you may already know this uh as of the summer this year and uh, this is according to national highways manages the roads in britain over 90 percent of new new cars sold in the uk have a feature called eCall, which means they can connect to a, a network Uh, It's a safety feature. It's built into vehicles. It's automatically activated if you have an accident when the uh, airbags are deployed. You can also manually uh, enable it. That's called an SOS or or something. Mm -hmm. But they rely on these systems. So actually, getting rid of 2G is way harder than getting rid of 3G. And this
0: is the problem. Um, Like, even if you, even 2G or 3G, no matter which, there have been people who have called for, and I think this is a great idea, some kind of national network that operates in the frequency band for 2g and 3g but it isn't owned by like o2 or vodafone it's part of that they all contribute to it say but you you know you cut the frequencies it uses right down to the bare minimum and just have a basic network and then that enables these systems to carry on working because obviously what what happens when you turn them off is that cars that are say 10 years old which because car tech moves very slowly often so if you're driving a car that's you know, new today, that in-car entertainment system would have been designed five years ago. Um And if you were driving a five-year-old car, the in-car entertainment system was, there wouldn't have been 4G when that was launched. So, you know, you're stuck with an old system and it, it means that they will be effectively rendered useless. It affects Tesla too. Early Tesla cars didn't have 4G, I don't think. And so had to have, go back and have a replacement module fitted in order to get all the over, over-the-air updates and stuff like that. So it is a problem. Uh, yeah. Is
1: it? Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of these things. I mean, it's not going to be a problem for anyone on the who's still using one of the very first O2 iPhones because they didn't have 3G. They are stuck on 2G, Edge, which I suppose is, what, two and a half two point five 2.5G, isn't it? But still, it's not 3G. Mm. So you don't need to worry about that disconnecting you um, or at least not as much as you should worry about maybe getting a new phone. Well, yeah. Uh, but that's that's interesting. I mean, this follows... Uh, Amazon. I think this is the most relevant comparison to what's happened overseas because Amazon was, uh, was warning people in the US who use some of the old Kindle devices that they were going to be essentially cut off from the internet because of switch-offs like this and the fact that they didn't have Wi-Fi. Obviously, in this in, in that instance, Amazon has a few quid and can incentivize people affected, but not every business has Bezo bu- Bezos bucks to no. throw at people who feel unfairly left out of um, connectivity by the impending loss of technology like this so i it, it's just i think it's very interesting to see a timeline so no 2g and 3g after 2033 and some mm. analysts that i have read uh around this news said that they really they expect this to be done way sooner yeah. and it's just that this yeah because there's a
0: huge incentive to do it quickly isn't it because then you can refile those frequencies yeah. and make 5g better but yeah, no, it really it's that's no use to the people who are using legacy hardware that that only connects to those older networks.
1: Yeah. And how do you adapt that? I mean it's difficult with wireless. I was at a friend's this weekend and I was helping him sort out the fact that he was only getting a fraction of his bandwidth um to his computer in an outside office and it we we narrowed it down to being a combination of the distance from his router, so he was having to use like a 40 meter Cat5 Ethernet cable yeah. and the fact that the Ethernet cable in the machine itself wasn't going to reach the kind of speeds that technically his internet could bring into the house. There's not, you can replace a cable but it's really difficult to replace the physical hardware in a Mac but it's still technically possible whereas with wireless you're completely screwed. You, you are. want to keep that old piece of tech. You, you. But I, yeah, you are. But I mean,
0: uh, why? You, but you could do it if you kept if you kept some sort of legacy network running, um, because I don't know what happens to those all those police radios and stuff like that. What you're doing is essentially you're creating a, you know, a p- technology that actually still works for some people. Like if you've got an emergency phone in your car that's like a two G phone. Um, and you just use it in case you had an accident and you need to call someone. Um, you know, like you're just you're just making all that technology obsolete, aren't you? So it has mm. to be thrown away. It can no longer be used for anything at all. So it it, it is annoying, and it, it would be good if there was a way for them to say take a portion of the spectrum and use it just for that but i guess it doesn't really work like that because it's they need those frequencies completely clear in order to refarm them for to 5g and such so yeah you know it it, it is a difficult problem but i think maybe maybe it's time for us to say at this point well maybe we need to reserve a block of frequencies just for legacy stuff and just say that's it we're not going to have anything in those frequencies now You're you're just going to have to deal with it but It's a big block and, you know, those old devices obviously use more bandwidth as well
1: because, you
0: know, that's the nature of it. So Mm. it would be problematic.
1: Yeah, They're less efficient. Charlotte in our live chat um, said she's been on a wait list for for a smart meter for two years. But actually, Charlotte's in that category of of people who may be on on, on a very long wait list to get something crap that won't work in future and Uh, instead and as a result be first in line for something that will last for ages so that that is the
0: question because i wonder what mine uses
1: mine definitely uses 2g and i and i've had it for it's been in this house for at least i think four years mine was uh, this year i think honestly i think the vast majority of them are 2g
0: yeah that wouldn't surprise me for a start you know 4g around here isn't great anyway and i don't know what 3g is like you know i mostly use wi-fi obviously mm. uh but you know it's it's a bit i mean it does depend on the network of course and there must be some provision made i'm assuming they all use you know vodafone or o2 or something like that but
1: i knows? believe ours uses o2 i vaguely yeah. remember asking the uh, installation engineer for some technical details about it because of course why wouldn't you well, no. um and I, I believe, I believe he said it was, uh, it was, it was 02.
0: I don't know why they don't just get it connected to your Wi
1: Fi, because Wi Fi goes down, and if your Wi Fi goes down, you don't want to have no information about how much electricity you're using. I mean, Although- yeah, but so do cell towers,
0: and as we've pointed out, Wi Fi is a lot more reliable than no network at all. Like what happens to all those pieces of hardware when this they switch the networks off? They're all oh, useless I don't, again.
1: No, I don't. Well, that's think the point, the isn't it? Future. They're all.
0: You you basically the government has spent a lot of money subsidising smart meters for people. Um, you know, it's not energy companies paying for this; it's because the government wants everyone on a smart meter. So there's been a big incentive. They've paid for you know multi-million national news campaigns in p- papers and stuff. Um, and you know, if, if they if they're all using two G. And that gets switched off, or 3G, uh, you know, then you've got to go around and do it all again, haven't you? Or at least refit a new transmitter or whatever. I mean, they might be modular, but even so, it's a massive expense. So why not have it as it, you know, it can connect to your Wi-Fi as well? That seems like an absolutely minimal uh, sacrifice to make. And, and, okay, sure, it's not that easy
1: because, you know, people might move out, they might get different
0: Wi-Fi, blah, blah, blah. But it could be an option.
1: And I, th- uh, Ian B in the chat asks if the sensors on motorway bridges for traffic flows use 2G. They do. Probably. I've looked into these. There's a company ah. called AirScan, but it's one of a number of options. So it, I think it largely nowadays depends on who is doing that install and what they want to use because they are much more adaptable. They have the benefit of generally, if it's on a motorway, being relatively clear of uh, nearby obstructions. So it does make things like 3G or 4G or other technologies, I think, slightly more viable. It's also easier to power to this
0: them. was supposed to be part of 5g wasn't it it's like the internet of things you know yeah. if you're giving every motorway bridge twenty thousand, you know individual ip addresses then having you know having 5g makes sense because you know you can that they, they they use less bandwidth they can have their own address blah 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 you but know that's all at that the kind edge. of jazz but that's at the yeah. edge
1: 5g at the edge you're, you're completely internet of things you know very narrow distances but for communicating real you know. uh power usage data back to your energy provider. I, yeah. I don't think that's going to be over 5G. Mm, I don't no. think anyone really needs that to be over 5G. No, not at all. Uh, but who knows? We'll
0: see. Uh, it, it's a it's a definite question, but one that they should have been able to foresee. I'm confused by why it suddenly you know, appeared, and everyone's like, oh yeah, this is
1: actually a massive problem. Mm. Indeed. Well, uh, if you have a massive problem, why not write to anti-ian <laughs> he is sitting waiting on the edge of his seat uh in one of his finest smoking jackets just waiting to hear from you um whether in public or private um it's up to you to decide on the cost and the service but you can reach him at hello at uktechshow.com. dot
0: Right, uh, mm. a short while ago, well, not a short while ago, a, a few weeks back, Slash Film posted an article about the increasing problems of dialogue in movies and its audibility. Mm. Now, I have a problem with this, and I know you're someone who cares very deeply about audio. Is this something you've noticed?
1: Yes, to the Good. extent that I've 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 chosen to boost the center channel on mm. a movie once recently. I believe The Social Network, if my memory ah. serves. Yes, very good
0: example of a film actually, because that's um, obviously relies very heavily on uh, Sorkin's dialogue, which is uh, spoken at great rate. In fact, there's some good stories about writing that film from him. Like you know, he he his scripts are much longer than everyone else's, and when he sat down with Fincher to direct that, he was like, "Right, you've got one minute eight seconds to get through all this dialogue." And that's an end of it. And so people just had to speak very quickly. And that makes things very difficult to understand. Anyway. Also,
1: one of the first feature films to be edited in Final Cut Pro 10, I believe. Oh,
0: really? Interesting. Yeah. I it, believe it was shot on a red or something, wasn't it?
1: No idea. I just remember being told yeah. by someone at Apple when I was at a briefing about ah. the launch of Final Cut Pro 10 at the time. Anyway, proceed.
0: Huh. Well, anyway, so uh, the article's good and really worth a read. Uh, Nate will put it in the show notes as usual. And you can you know search for it on Slash Film as well. Uh, but the article lists a lot of different reasons. So one of them uh, might be directorial choice. Chris Nolan is particularly famous for saying that he doesn't expect you to be able to hear every line of dialogue in his movies. He says, you know, you don't hear everything in real life. So by not actually understanding everything people say, that, that kind of gives it a sort of realism as if you were there, which is a odd sort of choice but mm. also Chris Nolan doesn't care you know he doesn't shoot on digital he refuses to he only shoots on uh, film and you know mostly these days IMAX so he's obviously someone that cares very much about the pictures but perhaps not so much about the sound mm. um, obviously there's also the problem of actors they don't always enunciate properly or they might be doing something that means that it's very difficult for them to get a line out clearly so that's another issue um, also apparently th- uh, there are issues with um sound people not being able to have the access they need so you know when you're shooting a movie quite likely that character you know people actors will have uh body worn radio mics on to catch their dialogue but that'll have to be hidden obviously so it'll be under clothing so that might be uh you know you might get rustling of sounds you know clothing and all that kind of stuff which makes it even more difficult you know you might have a boom but it might be pointing the wrong way or there might be you know some other noise that gets in the way so you know it's and uh, some people have said that you know if you give sound guys more time and more you know credibility on set they are able to get much better results um But then things take a turn for the predictable and technology comes in, gets in the way. um, And because there's so many amazing things you can do with audio now, because things like Dolby Atmos have this all over sound that just is remarkable when you hear it in a cinema, the temptation for both sound mixers and and, and directors is going to be to make the most of it. Um, And by doing that, they can obviously cloud the soundtrack and make it more complicated to hear everything. Um, That often works out okay in the cinema because they have very good dialogue channels at the front, but it doesn't work necessarily quite as well at home where if you're watching on stereo, everything is just thrown into that channel and it might be, hugely distracting Mm. um so that's part of i think that's the biggest part of the problem and then you've also got the issue of mixing for cinemas now obviously people do remix their movies for home streaming and home you know dvd blu-ray that kind of stuff but the the majority of the time when you mix a film is spent in a in a sort of cinema style room mixing the sound on cinema equipment so you will be able to hear everything and I, i did i remember when i was at university i did audio engineering and Part of the way your ear hears, if, you know, the louder things are, the more equal you can hear all frequencies. So if you you boost things up to a good level, then you'll be much more able to hear those dialogue frequencies, which are, annoyingly, the ones that tend to get worse as you get older, rather than, you know, losing bass, which would be probably a a better sort of sacrifice. It tends to be that the bit of your ear that gets dialogue is, is, is... the bit that has trouble when you age, as I am, as we all are, indeed. yeah uh, So those are some of the problems. There is another additional thing that um, budgets apparently have come into play. There's something called ADR, which is called, which is, stands for automatic dialogue replacement. And it, it what happens if you, if you shoot on a set and there's a rustle in clothing or dialogue isn't quite clear, they get the actors to come in and then basically they they get a countdown and then they redo the line in time with their lips on screen. Um, and then it's that's what's used in the final mix and you can somehow sometimes hear that you can sometimes hear a line of dialogue that's very clear when perhaps it might not otherwise have been and you know that's often because of adr but apparently reduced budgets and netflix have cut that um a friend was telling me about this recently so that can be an additional problem so um have you got any tips i mean you you mentioned actually that yeah i mean put the center channel up which is my tip.
1: This felt relevant not just because Slash Film had written about it and it was a slow news week, but also because we've been playing quite a lot recently with changing our uh, like our media setup at, at home. It's been something that we ran into with, as I say, I think it was The Social Network. Um, Kate in live chat uh, talked about putting subtitles on. In order to to help with with this problem, when the sort of adjusting sound volumes didn't help, and so I thought it was relevant to talk about it. I don't really personally have any any additional tips other than uh, if you have the option to boost the center channels. If you're if you're even if you're on stereo, which in this instance we were, um, and you've got a five point one mix, for instance, or, or or a six channel mix, a six point one mix, or whatever. You sometimes can have the option of boosting the center channel, which is is often and quite often used for primary dialogue stuff. Um, Always, uh, in fact, yeah. it, it's the only thing on that channel, so it's really good. Interesting. I, I knew it was mostly that. I didn't realize it was exclusively so. Yeah, but, but it, you, you can have that boosted even on a stereo mm. uh, mix because it's still taking the six channel uh, audio in that example and and mixing it down to stereo, and just boosting uh, the the center. source into the stereo uh, destination Uh, but other than that i actually have no idea so i i'm glad that you have and i well sit back to be furnished in these (laughs) well i
0: mean there are like that's that would be my favorite solution the one that you came up with if if people can afford or justify having a surround sound system and it doesn't necessarily need to be a massively expensive one but it does need to be one where you get 5.1 channels that enables you then to tweak the levels individually. And what I used to do is bring the left and the right right down because that's where all the effects happen. So, you know, explosions will be mixed onto that left and right channel um, and then you can bring up the dialogue and then you should be able to hear it quite clearly. Um, of course, you are messing around with the mix at that point. So you're, you're, you're not creating the same film environment that you would have had at a cinema, but also you're probably not able to reach those kind of volumes at your home, nor would you necessarily want to. Uh, obviously, having a soundbar, is a big help the quality of your speakers will will make a huge difference you know if you can possibly justify spending some money on an extra speaker that that takes away from the stereo i mean like you said those things like the sonar soundbar most soundbars will take that center channel and you know use it more effectively so having a soundbar even if it's not a very expensive one could be a really good way to win on that Um, you can also add a subwoofer which sounds ludicrous Mm. but particularly if you're if you're on a like a 5.1 system, if you don't have a subwoofer, then the, 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 the uh, AV receiver will send the bass to the other speakers, which could have an impact on the audibility of dialogue. So if you get a subwoofer, I mean, and sometimes you don't need a subwoofer, you could just tell it you've got one and then not have one, and it would still send that low frequency sound out to that channel, which might help reduce problems on smaller speakers Uh, so that's worth considering but also having a subwoofer is generally quite good because you get much more granular control over it a lot of them have their own you know controls on them so you can turn it down quite low but you still get a really nice impact from the bass like you can hear it but it doesn't have to be overwhelming like it is in a cinema I saw Bond recently in a in a Dolby cinema with Atmos and the, the bass was just unbelievable like it was so over the top uh, if it suits that film, but if you're listening to that at home, you can see how it's going to go wrong quite
1: quickly. Side um, note: I recently watched the new Bond. I assume oh, you're talking you? about the new Bond. Yes, I so am. So we yeah. need to talk offline about sure. the last half an hour. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. So
0: I think everyone no who's t- seen that film will <laughs> want to talk about the last half hour of that film.
1: So let's let's come let's revert back to that. What about <laughs> yeah, sure. um yeah?
0: What about headphones then? Uh, absolutely. I mean, headphones are. Without doubt, the best quality speakers you can buy for the money. Like, but we talk. We tend to talk about headphones in isolation, but speakers tend to be very expensive if you want really good ones that can do a really good range of frequencies. But actually, if your budget doesn't stretch to having a five point one system, then you know, use a fraction of it. Use three hundred quid, say, and get yourself a pair of absolutely kick-ass headphones, and that will probably be a, a huge benefit. You'll get very crisp dialogue, you know. Obviously, you are still going to be using the stereo mix at that point, so you're sort of going to be beholden to... Um how the dialogue engineers have mixed it and all that kind of stuff but i when i've done it i've found headphones to be a really good solution plus they're not going to wake up the house and you can maybe you know you can tweak them a bit you can maybe turn them up a little bit louder obviously i don't recommend doing that all the time but for short periods of loud listening it's acceptable to you know have it a bit cranked up just for say an hour and a half or whatever the duration of a movie is so you know i'm a big fan of headphones uh, obviously it's not quite the same. I prefer a surround sound system because I like the impact of having things coming from all over you. But you know, Apple and others are all doing such good things with spatial audio these days that headphones can be a really disorientating process if you're not expecting it because they can be so incredibly, um, you know, spatial for hmm. want of a better word. They can really freak you out. It's like, wh- where's that sound coming from? I did happens- have that.
1: I had that experience when I bought the. Um- Lord of the Rings 4K uh, remasters. I, I bought the the pack on uh, on uh, on iTunes, and I was listening to them initially on AirPods on my iPod Pros because they they were the I don't know they're just one I was having in at the time. I wanted to watch it on my phone. I know that sounds ridiculous watching a 4K phone, but it's HDR. But... Blah blah blah. It was dark, and um and it and I turned my head and forgot that I was listening with mm-hmm. the spatial audio thing on. And the surreal feeling of moving your head and the sound, specifically the dialogue actually, remaining exactly where your device is, as it was in this instance, is so weird. I mean, brilliant, but really, really freaky. I haven't heard
0: that because I don't think my AirPods support it, but... Um, I, I was listening to something just on the phone, using the phone speakers. And it's incredible, some of the spatial things you can get out of the phone these days. Like, it really surprised me. Like, it was very clearly coming from far left in a way that I couldn't quite grasp just by listening to it. I was like, how is it doing this? Anyway... So yeah, so I'm I'm interested. I think it's fascinating to hear what people have to say about this. When I worked at the BBC, we used to get letters about it all the time. People would write in and go, I can't hear the dialogue. The music's too loud. Turn down the music. And yeah, you know, they're right that people mixing those TV shows in really nice edit suites with really good sound systems and they have, you know, they're loud. uh, They have no idea what it sounds like when it gets back to your TV with its rubbish speakers. But also, don't, cheap out on audio if you're spending a thousand quid on a telly you should be spending a thousand quid on a sound system because it's half of it stop being cheap about sound it's really important and that's why people hate their sound because they're not spending enough on it well, well, then, well, well yeah, they're not I, factoring I just, it in
1: i just want to speak to people who you know who clearly who's whose diamond underwear isn't as tight as yours today <laughs> that what ian really means is actually take your 1000 pounds and spend 500 of it on the TV well, and the other yeah. 500 on the audio but here is it a, here's a compromise buy the TV first and then while while
0: you're feeling annoyed and disappointed by the sound about it, save a thousand pounds and buy some sound because uh, you know it, it it does make a huge difference. And I, I I've got a surround sound system, but I'm not using it at the moment. I've I've switched to Sonos. Um, I've got an old soundbar that I used that I got ages ago, um, and it's very good. And that isn't necessarily you can get one of those second hand for I don't know three hundred fifty quid, four hundred quid. It is a really nice solution actually. It's surprisingly good at bass. It's good at dialogue. It it sounds very you know well balanced. Plus it doesn't it does actually do sort of stereo and spatial kind of in a in a reasonably good way. So you don't have to spend a huge amount and you can get some really nice results.
1: I just want to also uh Kate in, in the live chat here Snail Scribbles makes a very good point. Some people are hard of hearing or partially deaf. They shouldn't have to spend lots of money on tech to be able to watch a film. They need to just stop making explosions and music so effing loud.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get that, and I, 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 I mean, look, I'm someone who doesn't have great hearing anymore. Like my parents are both got hearing problems, so it's it's obviously something that's going to affect me increasingly, and it's frustrating um yes i I completely agree and i mean i i also think that people probably just have no idea that you can turn down the left and the right channels and that will make a huge difference Mm. um you know like and that's what i'm doing here you know if you've got family who are struggling and they maybe have a surround sound system or you know that there are options you know tell them because it it is a way to make it better i do completely agree that there should be you know dvds and streaming you could have multiple sound channels you could have like a a a you know a dialogue heavy mix for people with hearing problems or anyone else for that matter and you could give it a massive boost and and that could be something netflix could easily do like having a an enhanced audio experience for people with hearing or or who just want to hear the dialogue like and don't care so much about the explosions that would be absolutely great and it's not difficult to do you're not streaming both after all so you're not you know you're using more bandwidth you just pick one and that's the one you use
1: Nick in the live chat has shared an interesting link to a LifeWise story about amplifying dialogue in in TV. We'll include a link to that in the show notes at uktechshow.com slash... uh, I think the mixer just uh, had a little It there. Apologies. Uh, But at at uktechshow.com forward slash episodes, find episode 260. You'll find the link to Nick's article, uh, Nick's suggested article there, as well as the uh, original link to the slash film piece that inspired this debate um we'll take any questions of course hello and
0: what sorry i was gonna say and what you will find as well as nate does a very good job of mixing this podcast so even if i'm a bit quieter and move away from my microphone you should still be able to hear me because it's good
1: mixing i do my best i also use quite a lot of automation (laughs) <laughs> and compressors and makeup effects and things, but it's um, fine as long as people can hear it. I listen
0: to podcasts where it's very, very difficult to hear what some people say some of the time, and it's the same issue. You know, please mix things properly and stop putting music so loud. YouTube create creators.
1: Yeah. Well, um, any f- further thoughts on this? Very, very welcome at hello at UKtechshow.com. dot <laughs> com. I'd actually just like to take this brief moment with you ladies and gentlemen you darling people who I love and cherish and adore and kind of admire every day uh, to thank you for supporting us directly if you're somebody like KV for instance um, you'll be getting our extended ad free version of the show uh, and you're about to hear this week's third discussion story and thank you KV and particularly for your support this week if you're not a patron yet uh, but have been, been enjoying text message uh, for the price of buying us a cup of coffee or something much much stronger uh, for Ian uh, or maybe a couple of them even uh, a month you can get access to our full length ad free show listen and chat with us live as we record as Rich is doing as Mike is doing as Kate is doing as Charlotte is doing and others uh, right now Um, and get a bunch of other stuff. Extra message every week, our Patreon-exclusive sister show. You're supporting Ian, and trust me, you should see the holes in his underwear right now. Mm. That's actually true. Yeah, (laughs) you could fit a beaver (laughs) through those. (laughs) Trust me. Uh, Help Ian afford new underwear and save me from having to stitch them up every bloody month. Patreon.com forward slash UK tech
0: take my jumper off just now because i got so hot under the collar about that audio mixing thing
1: yeah i bet you did (laughs) well help keep ian cool and uh throw him a quid a week (laughs) or whatever i could just open the window it's really hot cold out so yeah well it's about this point in the show um that we check in with mr tom Merritt of dtns daily tech news show find out what's been going on in the wider world of tech and just as is always the case or usually the case here is tom Merritt. This week on Daily Tech News Show, Brian Brushwood tells us how to run an online store during the current supply chain nightmare, why wired headphones are the cool new thing, how Snap may lead the way into the metaverse. In fact, it may have been doing it for years. The EU has a surprisingly sensible approach to defining gig workers' rights, and what you need to know about the logjam vulnerability that's hitting Minecraft and more. All that and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Headphones. You're on point, Ian. Mm, yeah.
0: I mean, it happens once in a blue moon.
1: Yes, it does. How frequent are blue moons?
0: Oh, I don't know. Hold on.
1: Also, what is a blue moon?
0: Well, that that related question, right? Uh, What is a blue moon?
1: yeah. Well, while Ian Googles answers to my questions, I'd just like to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. Uh, Whether a patron or a free listener, leaving us a review is a wonderful way of supporting the show. Uh, Do so in Apple Podcasts, wherever you're getting your podcasts. It is an incredibly valuable way of supporting us. We are extremely, extremely grateful. And actually, if you are a patron uh, listener, then um, we, we had an email that came in over the last couple of weeks about uh, people who love the outtakes at the end of our shows. And we didn't actually have an outtake at the end of last week's extended show because technically the outtake was included in the natural conversation. So this week, instead, I'm including uh, a bit of an extra long one that occurred during our pre-show chat where Ian and I were talking about our experiences um, being on television quite a few years ago. I'll leave that little tease dangling there. A second
0: full moon in a calendar month and how often
1: do they happen good question once in a blue moon I assume yes exactly
0: that well uh, the next blue moon is August the 31st
1: 2023 Oh, uh, around the time they're going to kill 3G Yeah, it's almost uh, yeah. like they're linked much like this current sentence and the end of this podcast goodbye everybody I mean, the end of that show was an
0: absolute disaster, but never mind. We got there in the end.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.